You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go my back. everyone to another episode of the long two i am pete rogers he is natty wallach and we are a camilla stanthony podcast that have been known to talk about fantasy basketball and natty we are back here and we have been known to talk about this season that has uh fully begun how you doing happy new year's eve day thank you what's kindly. up enjoy the last of this incredible year it's almost gone so drink it in yeah, well, you, the listeners, dear listeners, will be listening to this, and the new year will have already come upon us, so uh, you can bask in the glory of uh, of 2021. Yeah, I hope everybody stayed safe during the festivities, and that you don't feel too bad today. Yeah, that is that is what we always hope. Um, we are we've we've played around with kind of different release days, and I think this is what we're going to settle on for the for now that the NBA season has started. I personally like the Friday release. I feel like that way we can talk about how the week has been, talk about trends of the week, um, and recap those while also looking ahead to the coming week. Give you some waiver ads, give you some uh, studs and duds. We're gonna bring that back. So uh, I, I'm thinking that the Friday release is a, is a good time for us to to be able to give you guys the most relevant and actionable fantasy advice possible. What do you think, Natty? Are you on board with this new spectacular release time? Well, 2020 has showed me that the days of the week don't really matter anymore. And <laughs> time is somewhat Fair. subjective. So I don't give an F. Um, there's ebbs and flows throughout the NBA season, but they're not really relegated to, you know, weeks. Like those yeah. are sort of just arbitrary cutoffs for the NBA and for hockey too. Like in baseball, you have series and in football, sure. it's week to week. So the day of the week matters less, I think. So I think it'll be just great. And people will have some uh, informative Friday pre-weekend waiver wire hunting info. Hmm. Saucy. All right. Well, since the season is a week old or a little bit over a week old, I will say, uh, we figured what better way to start than talking about the biggest surprises of so far this 2021, basically, uh, NBA season. And I have to say, Natty, I, as we are recording this, they are currently the only undefeated team in the NBA. Obviously, I think they play. Who do they play tonight? Uh, the Bucks. I think, oh, the Sixers. They play the Sixers tonight, uh, New Year's Eve night, as we're recording this. So when you're listening to this, uh, maybe they might be have a, have gotten their first loss, or they might still be rolling. And we're, of course, talking about the Orlando Magic. And <clears throat> this is, I want to start us off here, because to me, this has been one of the biggest surprises. When you look at, like, the 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 
historically bad teams or the teams that people maybe don't consider as like upper echelon NBA and the starts that they've gotten off to, we spent plenty of time on this show talking about the Suns. So the Suns looking good to start this year, not a shocker in my book. Uh, the Kings looking good to start this year, maybe it's a little bit of a shocker, but the Kings also have a lot of good young players and and uh, Tybal has stepped into that, has been basically phenomenal for them uh, as a rookie. But for me, it's the the magic, not only being undefeated, being the sole undefeated team, but you are getting like Markel Fultz is looking like he is looking like the first overall pick that that people were kind of anticipating to him. 18 mm. and point. Is he? Ooh, ooh Natty. <laughs> is <disagreeing>. he? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Just well, I was just gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna rock his stats. Eighteen points per game, you know, almost four boards, almost six assists. He's playing some defense, and I just think more so maybe than he is. This offense is moving and and is effective and is flowing, and I feel like he's doing a lot of that work. And obviously, it helped that Terrence Ross just started this season absolutely on fire. The man was unconscious from downtown and that's gone down a little bit, but now he's still averaging 43% from three Vooch is averaging 45% from three. Mm -hmm. This, this magic's team is just, they're, they're saucy, they're spicy. And I feel like we, uh, we didn't give them enough credit when we were talking about potential, potential Eastern teams that could sneak their way into the playoffs this year. I'm going to throw cold water on this argument. That's why it's what you're here for. Natty is to be the Debbie downer. Absolutely. It's cold outside. It's winter. So this is going to (laughs) hurt. It will shock you because two of those wins of their four total are against Washington, which has absolutely no defense whatsoever. (laughs) Um, The other two, the first win against the heat was totally legit. And then they beat Oklahoma city, which is a young team that isn't exactly trying to win. So the resume is a little suspect, I think. The Magic, T-Sizzle, Fournier, Vooch look great. Um, they, the Orlando Magic always play good defense, or at least competent defense. You know, Fultz is better. He's not the sort of player that I think you would have taken even in the top 10. Um, he was supposed to have such a sweet shot when before he was drafted. So whatever. I mean, Fultz looks better. That's the most important thing. For a guy um, for a guy who is playing on a different team than what was drafted him for a top overall and was basically just like lambasted by the media and draped over the coals for just being a head case and not having a shot and having a hitch in his free throw shot. Like I am impressed and I give him lots of compliments for the start that he has had to this season. Totally. He has improved. He looks like an actual NBA player now. Um, The Philly situation is so fucked up because, you know, they had to make (laughs) trade. Like, they just gave up assets, and then they traded him for nothing, basically. Um, It's everything that Philadelphia did, really, was such a disaster. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it was solved pretty quickly and, you know, no harm done. Yeah. the magic look like a good team so far, but I think some of that has to do with their hot shooting Mm. and Mm -hmm. with their opponents. And I don't think that either of them are sustainable. I think they'll come back down to earth, but I also think that Ross Fournier and Vooch are good. 
and they're good fantasy players and they're going to get good volume this year. And if I'm Orlando and I don't have Jonathan Isaac this season, do you care that much about getting to the playoffs or are you hoping that Aaron Gordon and one of those other three players that are shooting well, you can combine and maybe get something special? I think you could definitely get something good for Aaron Gordon. I mean, Aaron Gordon has been playing pretty well to start this year. Uh, He's certainly not been, he he's, been their fourth or excuse me fifth scoring option which is you know fine it's not what I feel like a lot of people were anticipating from just and that's come from the fact that Terrence Ross I mean we where did where did this come from like did did you have an inkling that Terrence Ross was going to be was going to be this at the start of the year well last actually the past couple of seasons Orlando's been interesting because not just because of their defense and how boring and no one watches them, <laughs> uh, boring they are. Um, but they have had spells of hot shooting from mm. their perimeter players, from yeah, Fournier and T-Sizzle. I mean, T-Sizzle, that's Terrence Ross's... That's, it <laughs> he, says he it right there in the fire. name. Right, and neither of them are old. Um, they both play they're both perimeter players for an Orlando team that doesn't get a lot of national attention uh, and you can say this about Vooch too like if Vooch was a Nick everyone would know his name you know yes so 100% uh Aaron Gordon has that to a certain extent as well because even though he's a type of elite player in that he can do some things just magnificently well for a player that young but it just never seems to click hmm all at the same time in Orlando. Like if Isaac was there, if he wasn't hurt, then I believe that team could have made real waves this year just because of the defense and if they right. had enough shooting. Um, but now, but Aaron Gordon's still super young. He's 24, 25. Uh, I think the new NBA is showing some of us that you don't necessarily need to have a three-point shot in order to be a successful player in the NBA so long as the team around you is constructed properly. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. but Aaron Gordon also feels like the sort of player who can really help a playoff bound team. So around the trade deadline, if there is a trade deadline, who knows what the hell is going to happen? Um, Like a player, a a team that needs a wing. And if Orlando's not in it, like his defense, like the nets, I think I said this one or two weeks ago, like that's I, as a nets viewer, I'm a Pistons Mm -hmm. fan, but I live in Brooklyn, but like they could use more defense. I I feel like they can score with anybody really. Losing the mayor sucks and we love Dinwiddie. But yeah. You know, if the magic, if everything does click and they play this well against real teams, then why can't they be a four, five, or six seed? Yeah. No, they just the, the starts of this year has been has been really good for them. And yes, their schedule has been but you you play the schedule that's in front of you. And I think Absolutely. the biggest thing the biggest thing that's come out of it in my book is the fact that all of these pieces, all these young guys and and Vooch and Terrence Ross, uh they they are older, but like this team is starting to coalesce and it's exciting and it's just it is just surprising that uh that, that they're looking the way that they are and that there's just so much excitement about them. Uh, and so, you know, it's long overdue. I feel like the, the sure. Suns the sons were the darlings of the bubble and we fucking love the Suns. I can never say enough about this team. And they went and got Chris Paul and like, and now everyone was like, Oh yeah, the Suns are like going to be this legit sneaky upstart in the West. And it's, I, 
thoroughly enjoy having a similar team in the West, uh, in the East, like a, a sure. sneaky upstart team. And, and well done to the Magic for being that team so far. T-Sizzle is 29, Vooch is 30, Evan Fournier is 28, Aaron Gordon is 25. This is a team with young vets. Like these are guys that you can have for the next three years and depend on that kind of production. So yeah. it it does seem like a team with potential. Which if is everything like, yeah. breaks their way, like they should be dangerous in the playoffs just because of their defense. So they'll be, you know, the typical oh, no one wants to match up with, like the Pacers are every year. Right, right. Uh, what's a, what's been a big surprise for you? Let's, let's move on to you, my friend. Okay, well, let's, I mean, I just mentioned them. Let's talk about these Pacers and Demonis Sabonis. Yeah, dude. Victor right. Oladipo, I Malcolm like this is a, Brogdon. A mild apology tour for us because, or certainly for me. Oh, no, fuck Indiana. <laughs> I, I I don't care if I was wrong about predictions. <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. I don't like that I they're just, doing well. <laughs> I just didn't think that this team was going to be any, like I just didn't know what this team was going to be. I didn't know. And what they've done is they've just decided as like, as the Nuggets have decided with Jokic that like, Okay, so bonus is our offense. Like we are going to run through this guy, and it works because he is an exception. Like he can run an offense. He's extremely adept at passing. He can play it like inside and on the block. Like against the Celtics, so it's both those games, man. Especially the first one in which which the uh, the uh, Pacers won. Like Sabonis was just looking, his game was just coming effortlessly to him. And I, yes, I will wholeheartedly say I was wrong about this team so far because wow, they have looked, the pieces are looking. And I think it's, it's because they've made seemingly made the decision that Victor Olodipo is not their best player and shouldn't be treated as such. And it's actually Sabonis and we're going to work through Sabonis. They have a new coach. Depot seems healthy. What this team really has is multiple playmakers mm-hmm. and multiple guys that can put the ball on the floor, multiple guys that can pass, multiple guys that you can run an offense through. And then Miles Turner and TJ Warren. Like there's, it's a suddenly deep team now that they're playing just a little bit differently and now that everybody's healthy. So I, I mean, we could joke and say that they've played three shitty teams so far, but I'm not going to hate on the Celtics that way. However, <laughs> what does encourage me is that they've beaten two, the two bad teams they've played, the Knicks and the Bulls, and they split with the competent team they've played, the Celtics. So yep. to me, that means take care of business. When you play a worse team, you should win. And when you play another playoff team, you don't – like a split is fine. 500 is great. You don't want to get embarrassed. You want to be able to consider yourself at least equal to them, if not better. Um, Sabonis just looks amazing. He looks so good. He's, I mean, is he 25 too? Like there's, that team is young and good. It has players. I mean, you could upgrade over Miles Turner, but. You know what? Miles Turner. I do that. Right. Yeah. He's looked really right. good too. He's and fantasy there. wise, he is crushed. I mean, the guy's averaging five blocks a game, which is just mind boggling to me. Uh, like he is doing exactly what they need him to do, which is protect the paint. TJ Warren is, is not quite bubble TJ Warren, but certainly has some of that sauce. He's 
still not a, at all a three-point shooter, but he's, you know, doing plenty good shooting them long twos that we love so very, very much. But this is, this is sort of the team that everybody wants the new NBA to be, which is yes. everyone is a scoring threat in mm-hmm. different parts of the floor and they can move the ball around and they can run and it's more democratic. It's not just a star and everybody revolving around them like it is in Houston. Like this team, depending on who's out there on the court, can play in different ways. Oladipo has always sort of been considered a complimentary player who, after he left Oklahoma City and came to the Pacers, it seemed like he was the star. I think you can sort of say that about Brogdon and Sabonis too. Like these are guys mm-hmm. that everyone has sort of assumed, okay, well, they're great one Bs or they're great right. Robins. Right. But when you put them all together, that's a really fucking strong team. It's almost reminiscent to me of the bad boys too, because it's like all these guys are considered not faces of the franchise. Like people mm-hmm. even hate on Depot, but now that he's healthy, you can see what he can do. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. played off of others before. If this team can really be cohesive, then that's super fucking dangerous. Because uh, these guys, I mean, Sabonis on defense, maybe, but this is a team that could make moves while also staying as strong as what they appear to be right now. Yes, 100%. Uh, just to your age point, DeMontis Sabonis is 24 years old. He is yeah. the third youngest player on that team. Totally. TJ Warren's 27. Depot's 28. I mean, Depot's yeah, 28. These... Brogdon's 28. You know, then they have McDermott off the bench and and you know other guys, but like Demonte Sabonis, twenty four years old. This is the thing that blows my mind every single time. I will never not blow my mind about basketball players. It's just how effing young these guys are. I mean, Tatum is still nineteen and he's seven five. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's all over the. I mean, Ingram. You know, like yeah. four years can go by really quickly, and some of these guys are late bloomers some of these guys are just on the wrong teams like a depot was on in the wrong role on the wrong team twice in a row and Mm -hmm. he learned from that and so when he arrived in indiana he was that's why he seemed like he could carry the franchise but i think this is a really strong pacers unit that doesn't necessarily need a star like if you put harden on this team depending on the two players you'd have to send back i think it's still strong but not necessarily actually better you know what i mean yeah no i i certainly agree um well let's keep talking about teams i like how we're just we're just kind of covering teams here because i want to talk about the uh, the hyper sexual front court of the cleveland cavaliers i want to talk about them too let's go central right on let's talk about team sex land baby Woo! We talked about Colin Sexton in our, and we did sleepers on bad teams a couple of shows ago, a couple of weeks ago. And I talked about Sexton, like, and he has been as advertised 25 points a game. Uh, he's getting you a couple assists here, but really he is scoring that bucket and he is scoring it. Well, 53% from three on three and you know, 3.3 attempts per game. Like he is getting it done. I think the bigger surprise is Darius Garland, who has, has more or less come out of nowhere to be like, there was so much 
not drama, so much uh, commentary last year about like, and I certainly put like, it was just like, ah, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Like, what are we going to do with this front court? What is, what is the Cavs plan for this front court? And what do you know? Garland comes out this year, averaging 18 and a half per game, almost eight assists per game. Like the guy has been also shooting 45% from three, shooting 5.5 attempts per game. Like this back, this front court is incredible. I, I love it. Cold water again. You are the worst. The game also, against I the said Pistons court was a backcourt. Clearly, I was oh, clearly yeah. confuzzled there. The game against the Pistons was a double overtime game. So some of these numbers are inflated. And they lost the New York Knicks, which is troubling to say the least. No, but, not when you have Julius Randle three-point sniper on your team. I mean, the they they just matched up well against like Cleveland has injury issues. Kevin Love is injured again. Um, there's real reasons to doubt undersized backcourts, like how effective they actually can be. And we've seen this over and over again, especially with the Celtics. I mean, we just saw this with Kemba. Like, how yep. small can your guards get? And, you know, we talk about it with Trey. We talk about it with all the smaller guards. And it's something that people are allowed to talk about until you prove them wrong. So it's good to see that these guys are scoring. It's good to see that they're improving. It's good to see that the team looks better because these are the two guys that Cleveland has really put the most resources and time into. Like Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Larry Nan like the, the front court doesn't actually matter at all. Andre Drummond, who's currently averaging 19 and 15 with and is three blocks. And Nance Jesus. like the best forward in the league. You know, it's but they're getting opportunities. Right. So like Drummond is in a contract year and the Cavs probably want to be able to trade him for something. So, yeah, of course, he's going to get all the opportunities in the world to thrive. But it's the guards that are getting him there. Like if they suck, it's just going to be tougher for him to feed him. So the Cavs look better than expected beating the Sixers and losing to the Knicks doesn't make any fucking sense to me whatsoever, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. They're a feisty team. Um, Chidi Osman looks like he's improved. He's only 25. Also their lone small forward over the past couple of years um, due to injuries, he's getting more time than I thought that he would. If he keeps using that, then he'll remain in the mix for minutes and shots in Cleveland as well. They look like a better team. It's so, yeah. so, so important to track young guards improvement. And they're still super young, super they're young, still super young. They're it's both an intriguing backward. It's crazy. They're, yeah. It's, it's very intriguing. It's great for Cavs fans. If they can get anything out of their front court this year to try to add to a young core, then more power to them. I mean, fuck them forever. Go Pistons. But uh, you can finally see a direction on this team. Yes. After several times where anytime LeBron isn't there, they just sort of look lost. They don't look lost now. No, 100%. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've had. Not just like from a fantasy, like fantasy wise, you know who these guys are. And what's great has been the fact that, you know, these players, Sexton, 
Drummond. And then if you took the risk on Garland, he's over 80% rostered in ESPN. So presumably you, you know, there was still, still a market there for him, but I don't think people anticipated him being quite as like, these guys have played much better uh, than my, at least initial anticipation was going totally. to be for them. And it has led to the Cavs just look and they, they are three and one uh, at the time we were recording this. And you said it, they look like they have a direction after last year where you were, I had so many questions about their front court, about their back court. Like you just, I was unsure that the Sexton Garland pairing was going to do anything or work at all. And power to them. It had so far through four games, sex land is strong, baby. And what's really going to show is their first time getting into a rut. You know, if they lose yeah. three games in a row, how are the young guards going to respond? Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why it sucks not having Kevin Love there, actually, because as a vet and he as can get you out of this, a, right. And he can just help stabilize it. You know, it's like there. I mean, drums there, but it's a pretty young team. I love their rookie. I really hope he comes back soon. They're a team full of potential that could get fast and that could get much better, much faster than we think. Yeah. Like I they have so me. many, like who on that team outside of their rookie and two guards, do you care about? You could move no, all the, of them. There are so many pieces there to be moved. And that's, I think the other exciting thing about the three teams that we've talked about Pacers, maybe less so, but certainly the magic and Cavs. both of these guys are young and these players are producing and it just opens the door for either of these teams to make like a make a move that is going to ultimately, you know, bolster them for for the rest of the season and, and into the year into the seasons to come, Natty. They if you're a Cavs fan, I think you're the most you're feeling the best you've felt since LeBron left again. Yeah, for sure. And as someone who's not a Cavs fan, I can speak for all Cavs fans when I say that you are correct, Natty. Thank you for recognizing <laughs> us Cavs fans. Um, <laughs> do you have another big surprise so far? Sure. I have a negative one. Uh, Denver doesn't look great. Yeah. Denver does not look great. Now they hear their games. They lost to Sacramento. They lost to the Clippers. They beat Houston, but who cares? And then they lost to Sacramento again. That's not what you really want to see, but we talked about this, you know, sometimes, teams that go to the conference finals, but don't win, take a step back the following season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gary Harris still like he's had what two okay games, but he's had two real stinkers too. Uh, Millsap looks a little bit old. Jamal Murray is injured now. Um, I don't know how serious it is, but Monty Morris came in and I like him as a backup point guard. He's good. Michael Porter yeah. Jr.'s look good. He is. I, he scored thirty against the Kings. I think. Yeah, he scored thirty against the Kings. So, that's a team where maybe that's an actual hardened destination. Um, in the meantime, it's just the Joker show, and Will Barton is not enough for that team to really consider itself being serious. I think. Like you, you have Jamal Murray and you have Joker. Obviously, can you? depend on Michael Porter Jr. to be an actual threat come playoff time. Yeah. I think that's the question for them. I do want to just quickly say, uh, 
not that there was anyone out there, but like, or not that anyone was getting after me for this, but like, uh, maybe this is why everyone should temper their Jamal Murray expectations after the bubble. I understand that he came out of the bubble and people were like, Jamal Murray is a top 20 player now and blah, 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 blah. And yes, he played really good in the bubble, but uh, let's see how he does out of it. And it's, it hasn't been as good, obviously. It hasn't even, wasn't, he hasn't even been as good as he was last year. Uh, he's averaging less points, shooting worse from three. Like it's, I just think that, uh, I think the Jamal Murray hype, a little overblown, a little overblown, Natty. You know what, though? I think that the Jazz and the Nuggets are going to meet in the playoffs again. I think it's going to be Donich versus Murray again, and I think it's going to be an incredible series. Um, I I believe in both those dudes. Real hardcore. I think that they're the next wave, along with Devin Booker in the West. Yeah. Uh, it's question just for you. that, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask a question for you. If the Nuggets finish as a top three seed in the West and Jokic continues to average 25, 11 and 13. Right. Mm-hmm. Is he, does he win MVP? Yes, because well, top three, I mean, if they're the third seed, then no, you have to be the, he first has to be, second seed he has to be one or this nuggets. He has to lead the nuggets to a one or two seed in order to win. I just, it, it's so hard to give MVP to a team that isn't, the best sure. or second best sure. team. I mean, if but this is a weird year. So, if but if you took team, Jokic, if, if they're just right. separated by one game, then who cares? Totally. I but guess, if you took Jokic maybe. off this Nuggets team, this Nuggets team would be trash. Yeah. Okay. But you can say that about every team with like an incredibly elite dude when you don't have another incredibly elite dude right next to him. Like the Lakers would still go to the playoffs if LeBron or AD wasn't there. But if both of them aren't there, then they don't. And we're seeing this in real time with the Warriors. Like, as much as I love Steph, that team doesn't look great. They they are looking better game to game. Wiseman yeah, our, is for real. Yeah, Wiseman is for real. Our Steph MVP uh, hype is maybe a little uh, not not. But I don't know out. though. Like they're so. What if they start slow? They haven't played basketball in so long. It's sort you know maybe this is just a team with rust. So I I think that they could accelerate. I'm not going to give up on them too early, but the first two games. I just think no. I just think you need to do I think you need to make sweeping statements with only four games of evidence so far, Natty. And stick right, by that's those the statements. thing. So I'm I'm you know looking down my nose at the Nuggets when in <laughs> actuality I still feel like they're a top five seed in the playoffs, um, in a very tough conference. But I feel that way about Luca too. Luca, who I yeah. didn't mention along with the other three yeah. guards earlier. Uh, the maps don't look great, but no, they don't. They also we're up the, on the Clippers by 50 points in his store. So we talked about the chaos in a season yeah. like this, and I think we're seeing it really early on. Uh, before you head on to uh, some waiver ads and this week's studs and duds or this coming week's studs and duds, I do want to quickly say, as we talk about biggest surprises, I want to give, I just, I feel like maybe I am in the minority here, but I want to give a just a tiny bit, tiny bit of love to James Harden for missing practices, not working out or during the off season, partying with his boss bitch in a strip club and then dropping 40 on Portland. <laughs> why, why do you say he didn't work out in the off season? Oh, no particular reason. 
other than a uh, uh, what, what what would you a quarantine belly? I feel like that's uh, a fair. Yo, fair man, descriptor. sometimes you need a strong core, and he's just like getting that real firm, so that I he just can think lift it's heavy things with his back. Most incredible thing, the greatest fuck you is just Harden dealing with all like just quietly watching the world rip him apart i mean obviously wear a mask next time harden please like if you're going to be in a public setting let's stop the spread of covid um but then coming out and being like oh you guys don't think i am still good at basketball oh you don't think that i have done anything this offseason to you know play well i'm going to drop 44 on portland and i'm going to shoot 57 from uh the field and 46 from three just want to it's give like a when love. Shaq wouldn't stay in shape yes. in the off season, yeah. and then he'd come back, and he was still really good. And people would, everyone season, would be like, "Oh my god, is Shaq is Shaq still good?" Yeah, I don't know about that Shaq guy. And then Shaq just dominates because Shaq was just a giant fucking bully. I I, I don't want to comment. The Houston thing is so stupid. So like stupid. to me, it's just ridiculous. Just a little hard in love. It's just bad that a franchise an agent and a player and the union and the NBA would let something get so, so, so out of control. Like, I don't even mean about the social media stuff. Like you, you can't have one of your marquee players fucking up your new COVID protocols like this. (laughs) Like that's, that's on the union too. Like you, you just can't Harden's one of the five most important players in the NBA. You can't like let that happen from a business point of view. This is one of the faces of your league. Like you're trying for the safety of all of your employees. So the like Adam Silver, as soon as the dispute started, he really should have called everyone and been like, listen, it will all get figured out. Everyone keep your head down and follow the rules. James, like you'll probably end up on a title contender. Just give it some patience. Like everybody knows instead it's all fucking on fire. Everyone's pissed off. The Rockets do have a chance to be a playoff team. Everyone's seeing what Christian Wood can do. It's, it's just a real shame because it seems like no one was in charge of anything at any point in time. And uh, I mean, Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey's automated tweet. Oh my God. It's just the NBA is great. The NBA is a is a living, breathing reality show, and I love every second of it. I mean, honestly, it just makes me think that Tillman Fertitta is a bad businessman because it's like if this is how you treat something this important, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk about them. It's stupid that they are letting an opportunity to be a good team just disappear we'll right in front of them. Totally. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into waivers and studs and duds. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. 
we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Uh, Still early in the season, very early, obviously. And, you know, I actually, Natty, I will say, you wrote a piece over on fateteams.com about seven players to stream in fantasy basketball. And this is an idea, or it's a it's a mode of roster construction that I have very much enjoyed in my years uh, playing fantasy basketball, which is basically dedicating one spot of your roster to streaming. Uh, and so it's a player who you can add off waivers, uh, who's widely available. They're going to give you a couple good weeks or maybe one good week, whatever it is, you're playing a hot hand. And then it's just when that way, when someone else emerges on the waiver wire, who use like, Oh, I got to go get this person. There's like a clear and obvious player to drop because as I just told you, Natty, before we started recording this, uh, I was contemplating who was, I was going to make a waiver wire ad. Uh, and I did ultimately, uh, and I was figuring out who I was going to drop and I couldn't because I was like, Ow, I like my team so much. Um, ultimately put the rookie, Obi Tobin onto my IR. So he's done for the year. Um, and I went and got myself Robert Williams, the third, and this is promise. I promise this is Dr. Pete talking and not super hyped Celtics fanboy Pete, who has been waiting <laughs> years for time Lord, uh, really just two, but waiting for time Lord to, to emerge and claim his rightful air, a uh, rightful spot as the Celtics starting big man. But, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Williams, is 4% rostered in ESPN leagues. He's averaging seven and a half points, 5.8 rebounds, almost one assist and 3.1 stocks per game. And he's doing this on 17 minutes for the Celtics. He's the backup behind Daniel Tice. Um, but those numbers, only seven other players in the NBA right now are averaging more than seven, five, half an assist and 2.5 stocks. And it's Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, Miles Turner, Christian Wood, Jeremy Grant, and Michael Porter Jr., Obviously, those guys you're not getting off waivers. Obviously, those guys are also scoring a lot more points than good old Time Lord Bob Williams. But still, that stat, uh, stat line alone, he's a top 75 player on ESPN's player rating, uh, ahead of Towns, head of Steven Adams, head of Brooke Lopez, those kinds of bigs. Um, and his play has just looked so good. And he's had games in which he's gotten more than 20, point, uh, 20 minutes per game. And in those games, he's either gotten double-digit points, double-digit rebounds. He's had 11 stocks combined between those two games. I think that there's the opportunity for him to really step into a bigger role with the Celtics, start averaging like 20 to 22 minutes per game. And we're going to see him reliably get you I would say reliably get you like eight points, 10 boards and get you three to five, uh, three to five stocks per game. And, and that is just an, a lot of stats, a lot of fingers in different stat categories that you can really utilize from a big man. Um, and, uh, and I just, I really like his potential. So I think if you're in a dynasty league, you should 100% go get him because I like where he's going. Um, and even if you're in a redraft league, he might not fit your team right now, but if you've got the space to stash him, I definitely think you should stash him at the very least hit the little flag notification so that you can uh, keep track of him because he in a starting role or even in solid 20 plus minutes per game uh, could be a very, very reliable fantasy producer for you. The other reason I really like picking up time Lord is that I believe the Celtics are giving up interior points like mm. it's their job like a they're, motherfucker 
I'm pretty sure they're last in opponents' field goal percentage within five feet. They're just now some of that is because their perimeter defense is good, so you have to feed it inside, but you would like to see more defense there. Time Lord will provide that. Um, there's no reason to think that the Celtics won't try to give opportunities to their young players that they've put resources into. So I think sort of, of course, his minutes will increase through the season, you know, like this is Tristan Thompson's injured right now. Um, there's four games of data, like there, you know, yeah. time Lord's still really young. The Williams brothers are both still really young. Uh, they're bringing them along in a smart way, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, like give them a little bit of a buffer. You don't have to start right away, but by the end of the year, I hope that the Celtics have figured out their center position and either given it to the young time Lord or, you know, upgraded in a, some kind of crazy way. But yeah, love Williams, love the kind of opportunity he should be able to get in Boston and, you know, streaming, is also fun because you get to ride waves and you get to pick up players that you like, but shouldn't be rostered really. Yeah. Also time uh, Lord is just one of the best nicknames in sports right now. Like you should right. believe in that. <laughs> you should, you should solely pick your fantasy team from exceptional nicknames. I feel like even we've done though this it before. comes from a bad thing, <laughs> yeah, even though, even though it's because time Lord uh, isn't on time, which is ironic because he's the Lord of time, but is it ironic? Because he can manipulate Yo, time. He's speaking of, of people that can manipulate time, my dude, slow-mo Kyle Anderson. Uh, Look at that fucking segue. Daddy, Happy New Year, everybody. You nice fucking job. Yeah. Killed it. Killing Big high it. five to everybody. Big so high fun. five to everyone. Talk well to me done. about your boy. You, you know what? Mic drop. Let's just end it. Mic drop. We're done. <laughs> and that's the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, everyone. Yeah. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson is going to change some people's fantasy leagues <laughs> because first He's of going all to change the world it's a dude who is going to be able to get a lot more minutes and volume and shots because john morant is out and 3j is out and right now it seems like kyle anderson is the best player on that team he is averaging 16 points per game eight plus rebounds per game. He had nine assists versus Boston last night. Yeah. Okay. Um, the team isn't going to have jaw for at least three weeks, maybe more like five, in which case maybe it'll be more like 10 because why rush him back when you're well, going the to Grizzlies are like pretty notorious already. for, for very slowly bringing players back. And why not? Like this right. is, John Morant is your future. You shouldn't fuck around with that. And three J is your future. You shouldn't fuck around with that. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson, while still young, he doesn't need to be your future, so why don't why not showcase him? Also, he just fucking looks tremendous. Um, I am advising people to stream him this coming week, even though he only has three games on the schedule, and those three games are the Lakers, the Cavs, and the Nets. But here's why I think it's a good idea. First of all, those teams might not play their star. Well, Cleveland doesn't matter, but the Lakers and the Nets might not play their stars against Memphis, right? Because mm -hmm. they're like, we should sure. be able to beat this team when they're down two star and when they're down their two best players. So maybe LeBron and AD and KD and Kyrie don't play or some mm -hmm. combination of them don't play. Mm -hmm. 
Also, slow-mo is the definition of good player, bad team in this situation. There's like few other people who can benefit from this exact, like he's not going to Wally Pip anybody, but like he's there right now. He's big, he's slow. No one really knows how to play him. He plays. He's big, he's slow. Recognize us. No one understand. He slows down time in ways that a couple of Europeans also do. Like Luca can do that. And then all of a sudden the ball has moved and you don't really know how or why he got there or why it changed position. Like he's, he's too slow for people to really keep track of. It's real fucking strange. It's a superpower. I love him in this situation. Uh, I think you should ride him as long as 3J and Ja are out. All right. Well, there you go. Kyle Anderson, that is a, a ringing endorsement. And it was going to be a delightful segue into my into studs and duds. Uh, maybe I'll try to change my dud. But my dud was going to be the entire Grizzlies roster this week. <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, three games and two of them are and against. And they're playing the Lakers and Brooklyn and even the Cavs, yeah. man. The Cavs sure. are allowing sure. the what? One, two, three, fourth fewest points right now um, on a per game, uh, you know, per game basis. So like that's I'm not against that. Anyways, I, I would I take your ringing endorsement of Kyle Anderson and I nine say, dimes against Boston is for real. Is, like that's is, impressive. You love that. You love that. You love to see that. I think I think you can. I will. I will amend my dud for this week, and instead of saying the entire Grizzlies roster, I will say the entire Grizzlies roster except for Kyle Anderson. So there you nice go. Nice job. Thank nice you. Because he's not a moving target. He makes you the moving thing, and it's, so it's like <laughs> when you when you fire, it's like so far in front of him, it doesn't matter. He's incredible. <laughs> He is he is quite an enjoyable player to watch because he does just move at a at a pace you don't see in the NBA that much anymore. Like maybe that's a guy that the real playoff teams should have because it's just a curveball, mm. you know, like mm. it's just I'm throwing this change up. <laughs> you cannot hit it. You don't even know why it works. And it's going to make you look foolish. God damn it. It does. Uh, well, since we're already on duds, what's your who's your dud for this week? This coming okay. week. My dud is another player who's only playing three games this week. Um, And it's a player that I really like and that I have endorsed picking up. So call me a hypocrite if you want to, but my dud is Thomas Bryant. Mm. The Wizards, who look dreadful, aside from Beal and Westbrook, Bryant looks a little bit better than dreadful. But this coming week, they're playing Philadelphia, Boston, and Miami. Philadelphia, you're probably going up against Embiid. I don't think that the Sixers would take that game off against the Wizards because it's still Beal and Westbrook versus. So if Embiid plays, I feel like he's just going to shut down Thomas Bryant. Boston, like we said earlier, you know, bigs can sort of feast against this team right now, but it's not clear whether the Wizards want Thomas Bryant in the paint or not, because if he's Mm -hmm. in the paint, then Westbrook can't drive as well. So he might be more out on the perimeter than otherwise, but then that's sort of giving up the advantage you would have against Boston. And then Miami, I mean, it's everybody and bam. So I just feel like you only have three games and you're going up against at least two good teams. So that's a, even though I like Bryant a lot and I've already streamed him for several games, I, I don't think this is the week to do it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Uh, And especially if you, if you do play in a league with a bench, 
uh, I would, I would put him on your bench for this week, especially if you've got other bigs that you can kind of rotate in there. I know some leagues, like one of my leagues, you know, we, we have, you have a bunch of utility positions and you have a forward and a guard position, but you don't have, you only are really starting one center. You have to start only one center and then you can fill your utilities any way you so choose. Uh, Thomas Bryant, not the center to be, uh, to be relying on for this, this coming week. Certainly not a guy you should be playing in DV, uh, DFS at, at all. Uh, continue on, Natty. Who's your stud for the week? I'm going to stick with Biggs. My stud mm, this week there you is go. one of our boyfriends, or at least one of my boyfriends. Mm. We're going with Brolo, Brooke Lopez. The Bucks. he hasn't looked good so far this season. So this is why I'm using him as a stud, as sort of a surprise the four games in this week, they get to play Detroit twice. That Always automatically twice. should make him a stud. <laughs> also, because maybe Giannis takes at least one or both of those games off. I sure. mean, like, obviously you won't take both off. But, like, Brolo could see some minutes. They also play Utah. And he versus Rudy Gobert is very interesting because Brolo tends to drag Gobert out of the paint because of his mm-hmm. outside shot. And then they play Cleveland. So... Brooke Lopez hasn't looked good this year so far. He's averaging fewer shots and uh, fewer minutes, but I think both of those things are going to go up because after the All-Star game last year, Brooke Lopez averaged 16-plus points per game on 12-plus shots per game, around two blocks per game, five boards, taking five threes a game, shooting them at a 36% ratio, 45% from the floor overall. Only 16 players average 16 with five three-pointers and those ratios, 36% from outside, 45 Mm -hmm. overall last year. And only two of them also averaged a block per game, the Big Cat and 3J. Now, I'm not saying that Brolo is one of those guys, but he's closer than almost everybody else in the NBA to a certain part of those stats. So if you need a big with potential to have more three pointers made along with blocks, he should see more minutes. Then why not take a chance on Brolo when he has four games and two of them get to be against the fucking Pistons. And I just think, I think you're totally right. in also keeping track of like games that, especially with the NBA's back-to-back thing uh, that they're doing bad teams back-to-back or playing twice in the same, you know, span of three days, it has a huge likelihood that stars will be rested during those games. And so without Giannis, you're going to see more Brooke Lopez and Brooke Lopez, like he can turn it on still when he needs to turn it on. He was a part of that, like absurd bucks, three point shooting game against the heat. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, he shot three for four, 14 points total. Like there, he still has that touch from, from long from range. And, and you're right that if the, if he's got more minutes and the offense maybe is, a little more on his shoulders or just he's more involved in the offense. There's certainly potential for him to, to at the very least outperform what your expectations have been for him to start this year. Last season, (coughs) excuse me. Last season was a disappointment for Burlow owners before the all-star break. His numbers just weren't what you were expecting, but afterwards they were, if he can get back to that and there's no reason not to think that he can, then you have one of the most useful bigs in fantasy, a guy that gets you three-pointers made Mm -hmm. and blocks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, going up against the Pistons, 
like any week where you're playing the Pistons twice, that's you're going to be a stud that week. You just yeah. are. That's how yeah. that team. That's how bad Detroit looks right now. Um, it's almost criminal not to advise people to try to stack against Detroit. Like, totally. go get Josh Jackson. You know, go get Jeremy Grant. Blake Griffin has a concussion. Killian Hayes is injured. Um, Derek Rose looks terrible. not a lot is going right right now but like mason Plumley will get you minutes and the stats that go along with that for a b-grade center so they're oddly consistent i think but uh god damn they're bad they're so fucking bad pete they're so it's 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 rough you're having you're having a great start to the nba season i can tell I, I mean, it's only four games, but we truly do look like we could be the worst team in the league, like worse than the Knicks. The Bulls don't fun, really buddy. impress, but yeah, it's just going to be a long season. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's all. That's all you have to say. Uh, all right. I'll wrap up studs and duds. My stud for this week. Uh, we talked about the Lakers. The Lakers have a real nice schedule. They play the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Bulls, and the Rockets, all of whom uh allow you to score a fair amount of points and i'm not obviously going to say lebron or ad because some of these games especially Why Memphis, not? <laughs> i know crazy of me to be like lebron is your stud for this week yep. uh, especially memphis you could see those guys rested i'm gonna go stud of the week dennis schroeder man dennis schroeder has looked tremendous for the lakers since getting since they signed him 17 a game five assists five rebounds he's averaging 29 minutes he's not a guy who i think is going to see his minutes severely capped uh if they're in kind of uh on a roll or resting players so this is a real cushy schedule this week four games against bad teams that are going to let them you know give up points and uh i like schroeder to continue to kind of like run this offense and and obviously get you a bunch of a bunch of points doing so the Lakers obviously said, if you come here, you'll get yours. And yeah. they're uh, and they're fulfilling their promise. They want him there. Uh, they see real strengths in his game. And the Lakers, they strangely seem more fun this year. Like, Don't they? Yeah. They feel, you know, last year I was... Think I think it's the pressure of winning is off their shoulders. Like they just maybe been, that's and, what it is. Yeah. And they and they just got more energetic and fun people. Montres Harrell's a ton of fun. Schroeder is, you know, enjoyable in his own way. Like you're totally right. Marcus Saul, obviously, like the few flashy Marcus All passes and plays we get is just fun to watch. Like you, I would totally agree with you where it's like they just have a different energy about them this season. Uh, and I think my guess would be a lot of it's coming down to is like LeBron and AD that monkey is off their back. Yes, you could still have those crazy people who are like, well, it's a bubble championship. Does it really count? Uh, championship's a championship, people. Let's not uh, Oh, let's for not sure. They it. did it under more stressful circumstances. Right. Like, that's crazy. Every other, it should have an un asterisk. Like, it should be <laughs> underlined. You know, like, fucking bubble. Like, three months without our families. Fuck you. Um, they, they just look better. They look looser. Um, they are absolutely the team to love in LA. The Clippers can go fuck themselves. Yeah, Clippers, <laughs> like, who, yikes. Who cares? Who cares? So it's like when, you know, the Yankees every once in a while, well, not for a while, but like if they are actually more lovable than the Mets, then it's sort of weird because you're supposed to be the guy that everybody right. hates. But the Lakers, I mean, I don't really know anyone that's hating on the Lakers this year. Even Boston fans are like, 
yeah, they're good. They're good. Yeah. yeah, it's fair. It's fair. It's hard to uh hard to hate on them. Awesome, dude. Well, there you go. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams Podcast wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and our fantasy football podcast. Yes, we still talk fantasy football even in the offseason. That is the commitment that we at the Fake Teams Podcast uh, universe, multiverse, bring to you. Uh, we, we, we really try our best. Uh, tune in next week. Natty, stay safe out there. Have a wonderful New Year's, and everybody, don't drink too much. See you on the other side.